what is a family office? Well, ultimately what it is, is that, you know, it's a rich person and, and Christian explains it in the episode is oftentimes like you have certain levels of wealth. You can hand that off to, you know, JP Morgan, you can have hand that off to Wells Fargo or, uh, Morgan Stanley or someone else to manage your money. Well, alternatively, some of these people say, I just want to hire those things in house. I want to hire my own chief investment officer or a fractional uh, chief investment officer. I'm going to hire someone that helps diversify and underwrite and look at deals uh, for me. You are listening to the Passive Wealth Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Harris. And when I'm not hosting this podcast, I'm the founder of an award-winning real estate investment firm and actively investing in commercial real estate all over the country. This show allows me to interview, dive deeper, and deconstruct many passive wealth principles, not just from investing, but tactics, strategies, and many fascinating ways in which people have achieved levels of passive wealth. Through my nearly 20-year career as a professional investor, I've built an amazing network of people and come across some super savvy investors. Not only do they have a unique stance on the marketplace, but look at the same problems we all face and many times have come up with a simple but unconventional approach to solving them. This is why I'm so excited for this podcast. It allows me to unpack and have a more in-depth conversations with these special guests. Selfishly, It's a platform where I get to ask the questions that would never come up in a normal conversation and I get a chance to learn and dissect their best strategies and you get to be a part of that process as well. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversations and these amazing passive wealth principle lessons. Welcome to the Passive Wealth Principles episode on what I learned. This episode is about Christian Mack. Christian Mack is is, um, somebody I interviewed a few months ago, and the insights that he shares are timeless. Uh, One of the things that we we get a chance to talk about is how he bootstrapped his startup company in the late 90s. What he did was that, uh, that startup company was you know, he did the metaphorical, you know, building up the company and the organization from just hiring people and bringing them into his house. I think he said at one point he had like 15 or 18 different people living uh, out of his house and kind of house hacking. They were uh, sleeping in the basement, sleeping, you know, two, three, four people to a room, and they were uh, collectively coding and programming and just kind of growing. And the first year that they ever went out there and had his own company, they did a million dollars in revenue. Uh, Through that process, he learned a lot of interesting things. He, he, uh, experienced, made a lot of trial and error, and especially getting to that million dollar revenue. He then uh, determined, uh, and which became kind of his methodology for M- enterprise software, was there's these certain milestones that you have in your existence of, of as a company, first getting that first million dollar revenue, seven figures, then what happens, there's a next big milestone of two and a half million, and then you kind of plateau and have a sticking point. And then it's to eight figures, getting it to $10 million, and then from $10 million to $50 million. So each one of those sequential kind of uh, revenue numbers has 
different things that you need to understand and mechanisms that you need to create around your business, systems that you need to layer in, employees you need to hire, the expansion of your company. And so he did that by just doing this himself. And so even though his company, you know, this enterprise software program that he created, he had hit a million dollars initially, it was because he was tapping into in the late 1990s In 1999, you know, there's a huge concern about like Y2K, that computers would just all shut off when it went to, to the year 2000. And so he was able to structure and uh, create a lot of uh, business models around a very basic kind of component of, of enterprise software. That obviously grew uh, significantly over the years and then ultimately led to a nine-figure exit for himself. Awesome. So you're done. Nine figures. You make, you know, uh, into the hundreds of millions of dollars. So you retire, of course. No, not really. Uh, as most people that I've been around that have had levels of success and had these multi-million dollar exits, there may be some transition time period where they rest and sit back and relax for a little while. But the reality is, is that they love building stuff. They're creators. And so Christian, like many of these other people, sat down, took these skill sets that he'd learned in growing his company and then created his own family office. One of the things that we talk about on there is, is family offices. Like what are family offices? This is actually something that uh, I discussed on the show and, and years ago, probably five, six years ago, I didn't even know what a family office was. And actually I was at this event speaking and this guy said, oh, I'm part of a single family office. Someone else said, oh yes, I'm a, a manager for a multi family office. And I just kind of looked there and I took a note was like, well, I don't want to seem stupid. So I'm not going to ask what is a family office. Well, ultimately what it is, is that, you know, it's a rich person and, and Christian explains it in the episode is oftentimes like you have certain levels of wealth. You can hand that off to, you know, JP Morgan, you can have hand that off to Wells Fargo or uh, Morgan Stanley or someone else to manage your money. Well, alternatively, some of these people say, I just want to hire those things in house. I want to hire my own chief investment officer or a fractional uh, chief investment officer. I'm going to hire someone that helps diversify and underwrite and look at deals uh, for me. And so oftentimes the best deals are not in the public markets. They're not on the publicly traded stock exchange. They're in private deals. They're in alternative investments. They're in direct investments into VC funds or private equity funds or real estate funds. And we happen, and Christian and I happen to be in a mastermind group that we spend, uh, we've got a chance to spend a handful of times together. And in those groups, these deals kind of get passed around. They get shared. They get uh, talked about. They get... Uh, you know, the collective brain power of the organization will maybe look at it and say good, bad, or indifferent. So those deals are typically not out to the general public. And so that's why he was able to, to take his nine-figure exit and then be able to create his own kind of family office. And what happens is from that creating of that family office, he was around really, really smart um, people. And obviously in, in the 
you know, 2000s, you know, when he was, you know, planning this exit, that there was nobody that gave that information. I'm about ready to have a nine figure exit. What do I do? And so what he did is he just interviewed lots of law firms, some of the best people in the world in, um, you know, tax law and some of the best attorneys in, you know, accounting law and the best people in operations. And he just started spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to these attorneys thinking like, with figuring out all of these things, I will, or, or talking to all of these people collectively, I may be able to, you know, gather and glean some information that'll be most beneficial. They happened to introduce him to the guy that was a chairman of this bank in Southern California. They happened to be using his uh, his uh, conference room and that guy turned into a mentor. And so we talk about how mentors have created you know, monumental leaps forward because they're able to kind of see the macro perspective of where you're heading. And it's not like they're keeping you accountable. Most uh, mentors aren't saying, do this, now do this or do that. What they're oftentimes doing is just asking the right questions, putting the right spin on things while saying, well, maybe I wouldn't have done it that way, but have you looked at it this or how would you ever think of it in a different way? And so mentors are able to just cause you to think outside of your own experiences. And so that's one of the things that we get to dive into in this episode is how masterminds, how mentors, how people that you pay lots of money, hundreds of thousands of dollars to can really 10x what you can do. While Christian spent 200 or hundreds of thousands of dollars in attorney fees, that equated to tens of millions of dollars in tax savings by the way he ultimately structured his exit. We didn't go into some of those details, but how a dynasty's trust is something that is unbelievable and why the, the rich are getting richer is because they're spending this money on these you know, collective brain power and this, this, uh, financial IQ, they don't have to know everything themselves, but they just figure and reach out that somebody out there knows more about this than they do. So that's so, 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 so powerful as far as connecting up with these mentors, being part of these mastermind programs and, and really getting to share some of these life experiences. And goes back to also that, like like I said earlier, just because you have a big exit doesn't mean you now get to sit on on a beach for the rest of your life. Well, well, Christian could, and and many other people I know could, uh, because they have certain levels of of passive wealth or income that's well in excess of their um, you know burn rate or their you know, mortgages or, or payments. They choose to continue to work. Christian's now doing, taking his family office and turned it into uh, what is a Lotus Fund. Lotus Fund invest into these, you know, post revenue or like these revenue, you know, uh, enterprise software pro uh, programs, and he's taking them and buying them between, you know, they're at one to ten million dollars in revenue, and then taking them and then taking, you know, to the next level. And, and many times he'll buy them at two, three times their revenue numbers, and then when he is done. Uh, sprucing them up, value add, fixing and flipping them, they're worth, you know, five, seven, eight, 10, 15, 20 times the revenue multiple. So not only are they increasing the revenues, but they're also trading them at a much more significant revenue uh, multiple. So for instance, he's, he invested into a company February of last year, 
Uh, that company a year later IPO'd on the Canadian Stock Exchange, and I think it was trading uh, when it IPO'd at 15 times revenue. Uh, they purchased it somewhere around the two to three times. So just simply by doing that, had they kept the same revenue, there would be a, a significant return on their investment. And this is because he's he's really niched down into one specific category of post-revenue enterprise SaaS programs. So he can evaluate those. Those are oftentimes off-market. People are sending them directly to him. He's able to put together the systems that scale that. What I mean by that and then systems is, you know, a CEO that is really good as a technologist has created a program that has solved a particular niche and a need that's maybe gone up to a million, maybe $2 million in revenue, but they don't have the understanding of how to run an enterprise sales team. They don't understand the back office plumbing mechanisms that you need to put into your business to take it, you know, to that five and $10 million uh, revenue numbers. And then especially from 10 to 50 million. So they're really good at the problem that they've solved, similar to real estate where location, location, location matters, enterprise software and SaaS software, the product really, really matters. It's similar to that location. So once that product's good, it has a good product, oftentimes the businesses are not successful because the other parts are, you know, not doing well. So just as in real estate, we would go in and fix up some of the components, put new facades on or reconfigure the layouts, convert the use to something else. That's what Christian does with these companies and his Lotus Fund. I think they've had uh, more than 30 exits so far, and it is, you know, just a, a vastly different world than most venture capital when they're trying to invest into everything being 10 or 20x returns, uh, especially in pre-seed and pre-revenue uh, investments. That's not what he's doing. I find it very, very fascinating. Every time I get a chance to talk to Christian, every time I get to hang out with him, his knowledge base is just his financial IQ and his overall uh, IQ is, is mesmerizing. I love sitting around him. He is very, very clever and witty. And, and honestly, I could spend hours and hours and hours talking to Christian. And so this is just a, a really short snippet of information. And I feel like uh, it is a blessing to get access to him and understanding him the way he structured uh, some of these things. So please take, if you get a chance, dive into the full episode of Christian Mack on Passive Wealth Principles. Thank you and happy investing. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on Passive Wealth Principles Podcast. Make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this on. If the episode made you think of someone, go ahead and take a screenshot and share this episode with them. You can tag us or find us as a podcast at Catch Knives or me personally at Jake.RealEstate. For those investors that are listening to this and want to be able to take advantage of distressed investing opportunities, a perfect place to start is my best-selling book, which also happens to be called Catching Knives. It's a full breakdown and guide on how I and many of my partners take advantage of opportunities in distressed commercial real estate. Go to www.catchkniveswithans.com and grab the book there as there's a few book bonuses that I know you'll love. Once again, www.catchkniveswithans.com. Take care and I'll see you in the next episode.